0: Hey everybody, welcome to Healing Together, a podcast and community that I have created in order to provide comfort, inspiration, and healing. My name is Martin. I work as a counsellor and yoga teacher, and I'm interested in the power of community and stories, And so, me and my amazing friends will share with you some of the ordinary and extraordinary experiences that have shaped our lives. Often, talking about the struggles and finding a way to shine a light on some of the darker corners of your heart and your soul so that you can find a new kind of strength. Practicing openness, kindness, and hopefully being able to be grateful for everything that comes your way. We are stronger together. Let's all find different ways to guide each other home to that place of peace and fulfillment. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody. Welcome to episode 16 of Healing Together. So today you've just got me. Just me. Talking about a period of my life which was crazy. (laughs) Um, Really crazy. When I sit here with the couple of hours research on myself that I've just done, I can see why... What happened after this period that i'm going to uh, that I'm going to talk about to you today in this particular episode led to uh what I have referred to when setting up this episode as a dark night of the soul experience um, I can see exactly why this why that happened and so anyway to set up what I'm going to share with you. I will give you the timeline. So I was going to talk you through the year or two that I went through the adoption process to become a single adopter. And then I was going to do part two in the same episode, uh, which talked about the period after I decided not to do that. And uh, then went on to do my training for... An I Am Man distance event, the Lakesman, and got involved in this emotionally abusive relationship, and it all almost finished me off. But after doing the research today, I think it's more important to give the period before I decided to um, cease the adoption process because it really sets up why I went through what I went through afterwards, what I put myself through, to be honest. And so that's what today's episode is going to be about. So it's going to be the uh, the kind of the setup to the falling apart. And then I will record another episode, which will, um, yeah, which will detail the unraveling, let's say. And so um, I poured myself a glass of wine because I've been avoiding doing this for quite some time because it's difficult. You know, we all... We all do that, don't we, from time to time? We avoid those things that we feel uncomfortable exploring and the best way I can describe it right now is it's a bit like that moment where you've been avoiding getting on your yoga mat or you've avoided doing that job in the house that really needs to be done and you know that you're going to feel better afterwards but you kind of self-sabotage because it's hard. You maybe don't trust yourself. And so I thought I would make this a little more pleasurable by having a glass of wine while I talk to you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so let's get going. So back in 2014, I was uh, a good year into my therapy training, uh, my counselling training training. Uh, to become um, a person-centred counsellor. And in the beginning of 2014, six months into that training, I left my long-term partner of the time, Ryan. Uh, we lived together, had a nice life, had our three dogs, um, Seth, Geordie and Pat. Um, Pat sadly recently died uh, just a couple of weeks ago, which is really sad. And I think it's been part of the the whole um, me uh kind of being triggered, I suppose, by that time, and uh she definitely represents the underlining of that era and that relationship. Um Ryan and I are still friends, but um yeah that Pat was kind of the last kind of remaining um joint responsibility that we had, I guess. Uh, so I think that's been there in the in the background these last two weeks. But yeah, so I might share the story of um, mine and Ryan's relationship another time. Uh, we were really good friends and maybe that's all we should have been after the first probably six months. <laughs> but it ended up being 10 years. So I think that probably contributes to what was coming next. Um, but yeah, so I left um, I left our home in uh, early 2014 and uh, was still at the bank. And, yeah, the counselling training was a real revelation to me about kind of who I was up until that point. So we're talking almost 10 years ago, so I guess I'd be like um, 32, something like that, 32, 33. And uh, it was really eye-opening, and, you know, I began to realise that actually I had a lot of the answers inside of me, and I'd been, you know, looking externally for kind of what life was about um for such a long time most of my life probably up until that point and so it felt it was difficult um leaving ryan and uh you know we were very much um we very much came as a pair and some other people in our lives were definitely invested in us being a couple and again it was about kind of externally being validated as um as to what meaning we had in our lives and, and, and who we were and so that was all kind of coming apart but it felt good at the same time and I was preparing to move into this new career um, after working as a manager in a bank for, for quite a long time and really tuning into that inner voice that I have inside of me which is a, a really close friend these days um, and a very familiar voice, and it shows up in all kinds of ways, but I was really just tuning into that voice at that time and feeling quite liberated being single and in my own home and um, kind of exploring the idea of this new career and and feeling a real sense of purpose and fulfillment in what I wanted to do. and so yeah, it was a it was a it was a good time. And so I decided to leave the bank at um, kind of uh, probably about six months before my training was due to end. I, I, well, I wasn't to leave the bank, actually. I decided I was going to take a sabbatical and do my yoga teacher training and explore whether or not I could make a career out of being a counsellor And Just to see what that would look like really. So I made that decision early 2016 after being single for about a year. There have been quite a few other things going on in that year actually. There's so much to share. Um, Anyone who knows me, if you've heard me refer to my omelette week um that was just prior to um making the decision to adopt but basically i'd been trying to um get a new boyfriend i suppose for the latter 6 months of that year after finishing with ryan in the in the early part of that year and um that wasn't going so well and i was making lots of repeated mistakes and in the therapy at the time, I realised that such a lot of that continued kind of self-sabotage about being attracted to the same type of man or child. <laughs> I mean, obviously not a child, um, but... Um, yeah. Oh, fuck. What? <laughs> um, okay. Um, when I say child, I mean in a child, in a big man's body. Um, and being very emotionally unavailable for me so that they would end up rejecting me and ultimately that was about a rejection of myself and so I cried for a week constantly and in the mornings I would wake up and I think oh today's going to be one of those days where I won't cry all day long and struggle to get through the day and just as I was cracking the eggs into my omelette I have talked about this on the podcast I think I have um I would start crying and uh Yeah, and then that would be it for the day. Three therapy sessions that week, ultimately culminating on me lying on the floor crying and realising that I felt rejected by my parents when I was younger. And I was trying to resolve that through these emotionally unavailable men. But actually what I was doing was just finding the answer that I was rejecting myself. So anyway, I went through my omelette week and came out the other side of that feeling quite um, kind of self-loving and able to soothe myself when emotionally uh, overwhelmed and all of the good stuff, you know, that comes with realising that you are your own healer. And as what will become very clear (coughs) as we move through the podcast, uh, this particular episode, you will see that when I have a realisation, I don't just ease into it and enjoy it. I go at... um, Absolutely one hundred percent, no matter what, because I am on a mission to express myself and allow myself to move into this new phase of self-realization um absolutely crackers I am I was I am um so yeah, so I've gone through this nice period where I was like, yeah, look at me, I am able to act from my internal locus of evaluation I can self-validate. I am, you know, I'm a finished product. Look at me, ready to give the world everything that I've got inside of me. And so that definitely was, um, where I decided that I would actually turn this sabbatical into, um, leaving the bank and diving in headfirst to this wonderful new career of being a counselor at the time uh, with a view to adding yoga in once I done my training and oh it was a it was a a vision that was so inspiring and I actually did intend to do it this way um so I was going to have this sabbatical I was going to leave the bank and go off to India and do my yoga teacher training and you know, I just discovered Instagram at the time, so I was visualizing all of these amazing posts that I would create of this new inspirational life. Um, and I'm speaking about it like this because, truly, like I, I, I did think that was the way then. Um, I really did. And uh, and when I set my mind to something, I do it, uh, and I do it with bells on. So yes, so this was me. Made. Um, mid- 2000 and sorry, early 2016. Uh, I decided that not only um, was my new career uh, definitely what I needed, and it was actually going really well. You know, i, I, I was I was very busy, and I was um, receiving feedback from clients that my support was was helping change their lives for the better. And uh, I'd started doing some kind of fitness instructing while I was waiting for my yoga teacher training uh, trip to happen. Um, ultimately, that didn't happen, actually. And uh, the yoga school that I'd registered with came and did their training in Carlisle um, at the yoga studio there where, where I was practicing at the time. So, so that was good. Um so yeah I had that coming and uh was feeling great you know I was single I'd finally found myself and I was uh about to do this yoga teacher training as a counselor um you know I I I I'd so, I'd, um, kind of sold everything and bought this tiny little car uh, for this new career that I had in mind and was um scared to make any big commitments financially but actually I ended up oh, within three or four months of leaving the bank, I was probably earning not far off what I was earning at the bank. And uh, so I was just feeling so powerful, like I could do anything. And then obviously this omelette week and all of the realisations there. So I was feeling pretty invincible. And so I decided that I wanted to adopt. And obviously being in a very um, empowered, single, gay man energy, I... was very excited by the prospect that I would have been Cumbria's first single gay male adopter um so again inspiring definitely um and uh yeah and so you know Ryan and I had talked about adoption several times during well adoption surrogacy fostering etc during our relationship but it never really got off the ground because I guess we kind of knew that we weren't going to work out as much as we um, wanted that and pretended that we had the kind of relationship that could withstand that. I guess deep down, we always have a deeper wisdom that's operating and, and so it never happened with us. And I was like, well, fuck it. You know, I can do anything and I can do that too. So, yeah, so I, um, I sent an email to uh, Cumbria County Council Adoption Service and registered my interest and things started moving there. Um, there was going to be some really um, challenging aspects to the adoption. So, namely, uh, how would I earn money? So, I'd been doing this, um, this new job for, I suppose, getting on for a year at this point and, and doing quite well. And I had a home, and I'd actually bought another house, which was rented out. Um, and so it was about trying to save up enough money to take between six and nine months off work to to raise the child. Uh, coming into my life, um, I suppose it's a bit like going on maternity or paternity leave, where you really need to invest that time to get them settled into your home and, and you kind of settling into them as well uh, so that was a challenge um, but again you know I was invincible at this time so I knew that if I just worked doubly hard and saved up the money then it would be okay and the other obstacle was how I would practically do it on my own because you know I mean I have family and um, but actually not having a partner you know the pressure of raising a child on your own from an adoption perspective it's you know it's a lot to take on but as i said i was i was invincible and kind of inspired by my own um kind of potential inspirational story that i would, would be able to um share i guess which yeah that was definitely part of the motivation and uh, yeah, the, um, you know, the uh, the adoption process got started. So the first part of that process, excuse me, <coughs> was to become approved as a potential adopter. And then once you have been approved as a person who is suitable for adoption, you then move into a different team and you get matched with potential adoptees and then you go through this this whole other um, kind of post-approval process so to be honest I really enjoyed the um, pre-approval process it was almost like going through therapy and so I um, I think I had like six seven interviews about how I made this decision and what I had to offer and you know I I looked and sounded good um, to the adoption service because I had all of the right words to say and very emotionally aware. Um, I'd kind of had a lot of life experience at that point. So, um, you know, it was a decent proposition. And to be honest with you, I think that they were also keen to push my case through because of wanting to appear diverse Um and they are I mean that that's that, that's maybe unfair of me to sit up here but you know it, I'd heard from some people who worked in um, in the adoption service in Cumbria that my name was known because and I would I would have loved that at the time I mean I really I, I did love it at the time um it's kind of notoriety <laughs> um, <laughs> oh god there there's the embarrassment bit um but yeah it was you know and it was like let's let's help this lad let's get it through it'll look really good for us it'll be great for him too he wants to do that anything is possible right and so that was the end uh period of 2016 so I was going through this adoption process very enjoyable up until uh the matching which I'll come on to in a minute but yeah, definitely. This um, this is really great. So I was, you know, I was on a high and had loads of energy. And I knew at this time, memory wise, that I was doing a lot. But I'm going to list to you what I was doing at that time. And I became ill uh, in early 2017. And it's absolutely no fucking surprise why when you look, uh, when you hear what I was doing at the time. So I was going through an adoption application process, which is quite taxing emotionally and time-wise, actually. Interviews for a couple of hours every couple of weeks and gathering references from friends, from family, ex-colleagues, etc. Really being scrutinised. And like I said, I enjoyed it, but still quite an emotional um, labour doing that. So there we go. That's the first thing. Uh, I was working probably about 15 to 20 hours a week as a counsellor at that time. So, of course, all that comes with that and all of the self-care on top of that, usually when you're working 15 to 20 hours a week, you're probably doing 30 to 40 hours in total with the admin associated with seeing that number of clients, the the CPD, the self-care, the supervision. I know at that time I was having both regular supervision, which is an hour and a half a month, and then peer group supervision as well, which used to be kind of half a day. I think we used to do every month or so. Um, So yeah, there's full-time job already and um, uh, going through the adoption process. I haven't even got started yet. I was then also teaching... Uh, fitness classes and kind of yoga inspired stuff at that time and uh, I was uh, teaching I think probably I think it was 10 or 12 sessions a week Um, this is on top of my counselling and uh, some of those classes were as far as Silith from Carlisle which is a good hour's drive so you're talking an hour there an hour back um, probably 15-20 minutes set up and the same afterwards So again, for, you know, 10 to 12 hours of yoga classes, you're talking at least double that in terms of travel and preparation time. So I guess I'm already up to 60 hours a week and the adoption process uh, and all of the physical demands, because those were very dynamic and intense classes that I was teaching at the time. So, you know, there's kind of the physical demands there as well. Um, I was also working for a community interest company at the time, which was headed up by somebody that, um, again, this is a whole other um, podcast episode or episodes, but my involvement in that was, uh, it began just as I'd left the bank when I was quite vulnerable and looking to definitely promote myself and share And this whole inspirational story as as a way of attracting people to me, I guess, um, whether personally or professionally, was very much encouraged by the uh, founder of this particular... um, I mean, it's really like a charity, but um, the community interest company uh, legal status was to facilitate certain aspects that allowed... um, people to be paid within it which was a a driver I once realized I I began to realize as time went on so anyway that's kind of the setup so it was quite toxic from the beginning and at that time I was working for this organization voluntarily so this was me giving back because I felt so and this is a bit where I'm kind of proud of myself because I did that To give back, given how well I was doing and how very grateful I was for the fact that I'd been able to switch careers and make a decent living, um, to the point where I was considering becoming a single parent through adoption, and just felt, you know, I'd been given such gifts by tuning into my inner voice and, you know, working very hard and having the capacity to do so, and so I felt like I wanted to give back because I'd I'd been given so much. And uh, my God, did I work for this organization? So, one of the first things that I did was to develop wellness events. And so, these were kind of private events, ran at a friend of mine's uh, large country home. And we also um, hired out some other venues to, to run these events. And predominantly, these weren't for profit, but any um, kind of uh, quote-unquote profit that we made was invested back into the uh, community interest company predominantly to pay the founder i think um is what happened but um in the end you know I, th- th- that's what happened but at the time i very much believed in the organization much to the um concerns of people around me at the time some of those uh, genuinely concerned and some maybe not so much um, so I was yeah I was developing these wellness events, uh, bringing together lots of people, interviewing them, organising it from start to finish like a massive uh, undertaking. I was also organising um, an emotional well-being program for schools. That went really well, actually. We, uh, a friend and I, um, with the support of somebody else within the organization, we, uh, in the end, um, I think we presented to around 2,000 kids in Cumbria over the course of the couple of years that I worked for this organization. And, um, yeah, we, we developed this amazing program. Um, that some had some really great results. So I was delivering that in the first instance, and then I co-designed the, the whole program as well as managed uh, some facilitators, one of them, which was my sister, Claire, who was on the podcast recently. She did a great job working for us. So, yes, I, I, was, I was heading up all of that. I also, um, we were looking at opening a school um, with Ali. So this was one of the business connections that I had with Ali. Uh, Ali Goldie from podcast um, episode, was it number three? I think it was three or four. Um, And sorry, I I should know my own podcast better than that. But anyway, my head's in a bit of a spin with all of this. Um, so yes I was facilitating with that and helping them and just a load of other stuff honestly I could have worked for that organisation full time and I would say it would be a good 20 hours a week I would definitely say that a voluntary work so hey we're up to 80 hours now Um, I was doing my own yoga practice which was enjoyable probably 6 to 8 hours a week something like that Um, on my rest days I was uh, doggedly ticking off the Wainwrights. For anyone that doesn't know what the Wainwrights are, it's 214 fells or or mountains of varying sizes in the Lake District. And there was one particular day, I think it was early 2017, just when the days had got lighter, I'd done a 12-hour 12, a 12 fell walk with my friends, taking in like nine of the biggest fells in the Lake District. And, you know, this was a rest day. Yes. So hmm, I was busy. (laughs) And then, yes, so I, late 2016, uh, so six months after I'd started the adoption process and was about to be approved as an adopter, I decided to try to simplify some of what I was doing. So I was doing all of these community yoga classes and driving around loads and I started working with somebody actually at the time who, um, you know, was a, a vulnerable and wounded person, and I decided to look after her as well, um, and try and give her a career. And uh, again, with the um, with the founder of this community interest company that I was working for, and this other person that I worked with, I realised that. I was, I mean, I realize now retrospectively, you know, I was very much susceptible to people who would take advantage of me at that time. Uh, certainly the the work I was doing for that organization, I, I was absolutely taken advantage of. Um, and then this person I was working with, you know, while um, was experiencing lots of their own issues, uh, was very good at um, making me realise that I needed to help them. Her. Her. I'll just her. This um, this kind of vague language isn't helpful. So, yeah, her. And uh, so I decided that I would open uh, a yoga studio, a yoga slash Pilates slash kind of fitness studio, and so that was going on. The the plans for that were, were happening in the midst of all of this other stuff. So yeah, I, I was easily working 14, 15 hour days on the regular, probably one day a week off where I was then spending 12, <laughs> twelve, fourteen hours climbing fells. Um and so then yeah, so we opened this beautiful place actually, um called Bridge, which was in Wigton in North West Cumbria. And we were preparing to open Bridge on, well, I think it ended up being the 2nd of January, 2017. So there was quite a bit of work um, in the month or two leading up to that. You know, like just the physical work of of setting up a yoga studio and all of the organisation that comes with that. And it was also that time where I had been approved as an adopter. And so I was waiting for being matched with a child and I knew that that process would take about six months so I thought if I get bridge open the person who I was who I was um opening that with uh could take it over and that could be some passive income for me so that I could continue to um you know to earn while I was while I was preparing to raise uh, well well, to to adopt this child and 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 help them grow and, and all that comes with that and so there was a plan to all of my crazy working. And there was also the promise during this time that the organization I was working for voluntarily at that time that I would be able to be made a director. And I think I was promised 100,000 a year um, at some point if that went. So talk about the love bombing um, <laughs> that, uh, that comes with um, narcissistic personalities and... Uh, and empaths that can be taken in by them. Uh, so yeah, the, these you know these people were definitely um, helping me. You know, realize what what I needed in order to um, to adopt this child, this this future child. Uh, but they weren't the type of people that could keep their promises. Let's say, but I didn't know this at the time. So yes, so we were about to open the studio and about three or four days before, it was just after Christmas, um, I got this terrible, terrible cold and I actually lost my voice. Um, I'd had a cold for a few months leading up to it, cold slash flu, you know, um, but obviously I was just powering on through. I mean, it's, it's no wonder, right? Like with everything that I was, that I was telling you about earlier on. Um, but yeah, I, lo- I lost my voice. And so um, I found it was my body's really helpful way of saying to me, like, you need to rest. Your voice is your work. You talk for, well, half of your work. And, you know, being physically um, uh, exhausted, it was really difficult for me to go and teach these fitness classes as well. So I had no voice and my body was knackered as well. But anyway, I had to get this studio opened. Of course, I'd made all these promises to the people that were working there and all of the, you know, the new clients that were going to be coming over to us. And um, so, yeah, so we got, we got the place opened. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to teach the first couple of classes that I was due to. But literally, as soon as my voice came back, I was there teaching. And I used to um, quite enjoy the idea of wearing one of these kind of Britney Spears microphones to protect my voice, but part of the enjoyment was kind of the passion and the volume in my voice, and so um, so I didn't use that. You know, fuck that. Like my voice is back; it doesn't matter. I'll just go crazy. Got the place opened. It was really successful. I um, you know was just considering my little blip, um, and. On the, I think it was the first business day back, Um, I got an email through in, in 2017, I got an email through saying I'd been potentially matched with a little girl. Um, I can't reveal too much information because of confidentiality, but she was, Um, I'd always wanted to adopt a baby. I'd said that quite clearly and you could specify when you were in the adoption process. So it was you know everything was coming together um they'd found me this 11 month old baby and everything looked pretty good um you know there hadn't been too much difficulty because I'd said being very sensible in my application process that i would struggle to adopt a child with any specific um special needs because the undertaking of adopting a child on my own and having this career that wasn't stable necessarily in terms of income and that I was still establishing all of that that having um a child with no additional needs would be would be the best case scenario and this was the case with this lovely little girl And so it was just really exciting. And uh, after my blip of being ill and the laryngitis, losing my voice, I was back on it. And God, I was back on it. Um, only, uh, yeah, during January I was working crazy amounts, crazy amounts. Just back, back to normal, really. Um, I also forgot as part of my work for this organisation, I was setting up a county wide. Uh, community wellness offering um and so we were putting bids in to um a local community fund uh for you know uh six figures to be able to roll this out um to uh like little community centers added on to doctor surgeries where people would partake in wellness activities kind of as well as like social prescribing it was actually prescribing yoga energy work um creative endeavors so this was like a massive piece of work that I was also doing and again this was all done with the promise of me having a salary that would allow me to have passive income to to look after my my baby that I was hoping to get And, oh, God, this is like a therapy session. There's so much going off in my mind about this time. Now I reflect on it with you. Um, So, yes, end of January 2017. Work, fabulous, feeling very fulfilled, uh, being promised by two individuals that they would take care of certain aspects of my Uh, career and income so that I could go and adopt my baby who I was getting to know lots more about and very excited and uh, yeah even though I was working like crazy and absolutely embodying grind culture it was all for really good reasons and um, yeah I was feeling really inspired and then end of February I woke up in bed in the middle of the night after dreaming that my neck had seized up and I was actually having a massage by somebody in the dream as well and I won't, I won't name them, it was a man, it was a fantasy uh, so it was quite a nice dream uh, but my neck seized up as well as a few other things um, in the dream and uh, anyway, when I woke up, um, sadly, uh, the only thing that was seized up was my neck and I was alone in bed and I couldn't move And I was really frightened. Um, So I managed to get myself up out of bed. Uh, It was like I was paralysed at my neck. Um, I could only look straight ahead. And uh, due to um, all of the connections that I had in this organisation that was taking advantage of me... I was in touch with lots of medical professionals at the time because they were also being brought on um, and taken advantage of. <laughs> I'll say that with tongue in cheek, but it was the case. Um, and so I rang one of one of the GPs and said, "You know what? What the fuck is this? Like, I've, I'm teaching in two hours. Like, I need to go, and I can't move my head." And he'd said, "It," and he would asked about the. He knew that I'd not been well with the laryngitis and the cold slash flu um, the month before. And he said, your body's just basically stopping you. You know, you won't listen. Um, this sounds viral or, you know, but the, the only thing that you can do is lie down and rest. And I hope that this passes in a few days for you, but it's likely that it could be several weeks. We don't know. The only thing that you can do is stop and my God, it was, it was really difficult. Um, but I knew that I had to embody everything that I was, was, was I preaching at the time? I'm going to have compassion. As I said at the beginning, I might be embarrassed about the level of, um, lack of self-compassion I had, but I think I was definitely putting it out there to others, you know, to look after themselves in lots of really healthy ways and, um just just wasn't really practicing it myself. And so um so I did and you know I got into it aromatherapy, I had loads of energy treatments, I let people look after me, which isn't something that I ever did. Uh and so it felt like a bit of a wake-up call, and I was like, right, this is it. I'm gonna I'm gonna look after myself. Um, I booked myself on to my first ever yoga retreat, which was uh, in the May, Um, and that was going to be around about the time that the adoption was going to go ahead. So I kind of saw it as a kind of like a final, uh, you know, non-parent fling, (laughs) if you like. Um, And yeah, so I'd had about a week where I fully rested. I didn't speak. Um, I didn't see my, obviously, I didn't see my counselling clients during this time either. Um, And I rested. And, uh, you know, a few things were kind of uh, slotting into space, uh, into place, let's say. And I was I was having some realizations about a uh, more pressing need, not just for my child that I was going to be adopting, but also for me. Um, I couldn't be working at these edges, you know, and it was all towards taking that time off, time off to have a child, <laughs> But that is what I thought at the time. I was like, oh, all I craved was a really simple life with a child. I was like, I would like to strip all of this away, have this income coming in so that I could live this life of waking up with my baby, whatever time of day that all I would do is feed the baby, you know, take the baby for a walk, um, you know, go to play groups, just very simple. I just wanted to eat, sleep, and enjoy life and, and, and make this baby my priority. Um, and so I, yeah, that, that's kind of, I realized that I was going to have to work a bit harder. Um, and I was speaking to my post adoption support worker at the time about all of this. And this was a really key time because, I was already even just a month after being matched with this little girl. I was on my second um, support worker during that time. Support worker, I'm not sure if that's the right thing, but second um, social worker, um, post adoption process, and having to explain everything. And you know, this was starting to really take its toll on me. And I was thinking, no, this is a sign to kind of you know readjust. And so I went back to work after, I think it was about 10 days once I got my voice back and my neck (laughs) was moving again. Um, And, you know, I took it as a warning and, uh, yeah, had very good intentions. But then I noticed on Instagram when I was doing my research on myself earlier, only two weeks after my neck had seized up, I posted um, in that, you know, wearing exhaustion as a badge of honour style Um, You know, working a 16-hour day And rewarding myself with um, a glass of wine Or something like that Uh, And this was the time that I was uh, making the bread At 11 o'clock, you know So I was like, I will be, you know um, (laughs) I will be home bread-making parent As well as working every fucking hour God sends And not seeing the child, seemingly Um, But hey, I was on a mission I was on a mission. And so I, uh, yeah, had a good couple of months. Um, One of the other things that I tried to do during this time, and this is really where it kind of started falling apart um, for me, that when I started to prioritise myself, I began to realise that these other individuals that were benefiting from my... Probably like three, four hundred percent efforts. Um, they weren't really too happy. Um, so I spoke to the um, the 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 person that was in charge of this organisation. I said, "I'm really going to have to start like pulling things back and putting other people in place." And the money that I'd been generating through these activities was enough to pay pay some other people to to take over some of my responsibilities. And I'd said, you know. That, And I'd always operated by this um, idea that if you're a good manager, then your team should be able to manage without you. And, you know, I said, I can't be here investing all of this time. When I was off ill there just for a couple of weeks, that was bad enough, you know. And we need to put people in place and we need to pay them. I don't want to be paid because I consider this my voluntary work. But that was starting to cause trouble, I could feel it at that time. Um, It wasn't okay that I was starting to uh, prioritise myself. And then also my friend and colleague at the time, who I was running the yoga studio with, I was needing more from her and uh, we were going to be having discussions about her taking over from me in preparation for me adopting the baby. And you know, I very quickly realized that money was the key to getting her to do what I needed her to do, um, which is fine because there was a, you know, there was a professional aspect to our relationship, but it was very, very blurred, very, very blurred. And at this time she was also becoming increasingly unreliable as I put the extra, um, I suppose as I, as I did put the extra pressure on her, you know, all, all agreed. But, uh, and, and she was paid for it, but um, I was getting complaints about the studio and what have you. So I was having to kind of drop in and cover classes when she had, you know, the latest time she'd fallen over and hurt herself um, for some reason that was other than to do with the drugs and drink that she was consuming at the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, I was realising, it's like, fuck, I can't, I can't let go here, I can't do this but I must and so yes that was all becoming quite clear and uh but anyway I was making the arrangements I was you know I was determined come May June I was going to be adopting this child and I was preparing to meet her as well which was really exciting uh so I um you know, from a financial point of view, I'd saved up enough money to have that time off. So even if these other streams of income that I was hoping would kind of keep me going didn't necessarily work out, I would be prepared to let them go uh, because the most important thing was was the baby. So I felt like I had my priorities right there and I had a backup plan um, to be able to do this. And I was just like really looking forward to, to being able to kind of take a step back from everything that I'd been doing you know pressured with all for good intentions to actually um you know to realize that intention and, and to be a dad you know I was so excited for this and i yeah so i was due to go on the retreat um and and i went yeah and something happened to me um just before i went on the retreat which was my first meeting with with the little girl that i was due to adopt and at this stage, I was on my third social worker in almost as many months, and becoming very frustrated with that whole thing um, and that whole process. So the uh, the date for the matching uh, approval, which is basically, so you have your matching initial. Uh, process where they say okay this looks good and then we're going to go through another process where um they meet each other and we start going through the plans to actually have the child come and live with the with the parent the adopter uh, the adopter and the dates just get getting put back and it was all due to what I could see like me and the little girl our circumstances were pretty straightforward, you know, in terms of their process. But it was all these internal errors, change of social worker, missing paperwork, checks not being done, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I was thinking, you know, she's nearly 18 months old now. And I'm getting ready. Um, You know, on my side, I was preparing um, my clients and, you know, any clients that I took on that year, I said, I will be taking some time off. And so if you feel that you need that continuity of um support then you know I was referring clients to other people to start their therapy with but the 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 few clients that I did have you know we we had agreed that we would have a break and I was only going to have a couple of months off from clients and then I would be seeing the ones that needed to be seen you know for want of a better expression so that was all being very carefully managed but of course with each of these um errors (coughs) that were happening in social services I uh, I was having to make alternative plans with clients, with the various businesses that I was involved in, and it was all becoming really quite stressful. Um, but, you know, I was determined, and I thought this is what it is like to be a parent. You know, you have your child as the absolute focus and you make the world around them happen. And so for me, it felt like a kind of pre Parenting preparation, if you like, and you know, I wasn't giving up. And um, so, this date, this day that I was going to meet her finally, it was what everything really had been working towards for the last year or so. And I had to go down to Barrow to meet her, which is like an hour and a half away, it was two days before the retreat. And I just thought, I'm gonna meet her, and then when I come back, we will start the the process where they come and live with you for a week well you live with them for a week and then they come and live with you for a week and so the retreat was kind of just a break before all of that happened but I was just so excited to meet her finally and I'd seen pictures and everything but to meet her was was just a different thing altogether and so I went down to Barrow I was sitting in my car and I'd not had any communication about kind of how the day would go or anything like that but I'd got used to this at this point and so I And you may, from the way I've just said that, you may um, have picked up on the fact that I was also in a toxic relationship with the adoption service of Cumbria County Council. Uh, so not only with um, the person who I was in, in business with, with my yoga studio, but also this other business, the, the community interest company, the founder, and then the adoption service as well. So I really felt very drained by all of them while I was trying to achieve this dream of becoming a parent. And it was all to meet her on this day, you know? Um, I can feel the the stuff coming up for me now as I'm talking about this. <clears throat> uh so I sat there in my car, I think it's about like twenty past nine, and I was due to go in there at nine. So I was, you know, my good boy stuff was like, oh my God, this is my future daughter and her foster carer. And I'm late and not due to my error, you know. And um, anyway, I got a phone call from somebody that was a trainee um, in the service up in uh, Whitehaven, I think, um, saying that my social worker, the, the one that I'd had for a month, um, wasn't coming, was never coming. And she was kind of drafted in as some sort of locum from the Northeast trainee, something like that. Uh, and she was lost she didn't realize that Barrow was so far away and could i direct her to the house i was sitting outside of to meet my daughter uh, my my future daughter and uh i was just devastated I actually had a panic attack in the car um which was just absolutely not what i wanted <laughs> you know and i realized that this panic attack was probably a consequence of everything else but it was all centered around trying to be um, you know, to be what what she needed. Um, it was so hard, and so she came, and the the foster the foster carer was she came out. <laughs> She came out to see me in the car and I was trying to compose myself and she she said, why don't you just come in? And she was such a nice woman. And I said, I can't. Because they they're in charge of everything. And I just have to do what they say. And I don't know who's coming. I don't know what the process is, but I will come in and I really want to meet her. And and then <laughs> I know why I have to put this off um so I sat in the car and I said look just go in and I'll I promise I'll come in soon I just don't know what's happening here and so this woman turned up and I was so angry and I tried to compose myself and I said look just tell me what we're doing today and and I'll do that and I just want to meet her and um and she was like, she was angry at me. She's like, why are you being, in, why are you being difficult? This is a very special day for you. And I was like, fucking tell me about it. And you fuckers have spoiled it. Um, but I was, de- I, again, determined. I wasn't going to let them spoil it. And so, um, you know, I got myself together and I said to her, I was like, look, just, just be aware that this is really difficult for me. And um, I... It, I'm going to be very direct with you because this needs to go well today. Um, And I'm sorry, you know, that you've been drafted in and you don't know what the hell's going on, but this is really, this is like everything to me. So you need to make this be all right (laughs) or something like that. And anyway, we went in the house and I met her and she was gorgeous and she, my potential future daughter was gorgeous. And she, um, yeah, there was just this lovely connection and the foster carer, got me and, you know, she came over and she put a hand on my shoulder and she's like, You're gonna have to get used to this lad, you know, this is what they're like. <laughs> I was like, oh goodness. Um and uh yeah, and it was it was lovely. Um I was given some information that day about the fact that um they were still just trying to sort out a couple of issues with um I think there were four potential fathers and they'd managed to kind of speak to three of them, but one of them had not been able to be contacted. And so they had to go through this process where they'd contacted him like 10 times or something before he could be finally ruled out. Um, and so they'd said to me that it was uh, that that still needed looking at, but just to go away on my retreat. And uh, we would pick up when I returned. And so you know, it felt worth it, and I was like, right, this is obviously what it's like to be a parent, you know, you're like 99% feeling like a piece of shit, but you get this 1% moment that makes it all worthwhile, and, you know, Claire, my sister, was going to support me through all of this, so she was really amazing, and and other friends, Um, (laughs) it's interesting, you know, I can feel there's a lot of, there's a lot inside of me regarding this still. Um, for anybody that, um, anybody that's kind of experienced really intense, um, pressure in the past that has required them to just get on and where they maybe hold some of the, um, energy in their body still from the trauma of that time. Um, you may know of this kind of internal shaking. It feels like shivering um I know it in regards to some of the things that've i I've gone through in my life and I'm experiencing that right now as I'm talking to you you can maybe hear it in my voice it's like a shakiness inside so I'll allow this to to kind of move through me while I'm talking to you and uh, yeah so yeah it was really lovely to meet her and I knew there was shitloads more work to do um, but it was looking like when I'd returned from the retreat, we were going to start to make the plans for me to come and stay down at the foster carer who I'd met and felt very comfortable with. Uh, and, and obviously just to, to know that I was going to be able to adopt this beautiful little girl and it felt worth it. It felt worth it for everything. So I went on the retreat and had a great time and met my beautiful and truly inspiring friends, uh, Dav Jones. Look him up on Instagram. He's fab and Amber Vallow, um, and they definitely became a part of the post-adoption um, journey um, journey <laughs> that led to uh, all the other stuff, which I'm going to talk about in the next episode. But they were key in um, supporting me during that time and, and helping me really discover who I was from a yoga perspective. So this was just uh, just wonderful. And while I was there that same while i was on the retreat in malaga um first time in malaga been many times since uh, maybe moved there next year maybe <laughs> we'll see uh but while i was there um something was coming up inside of me this very familiar voice was saying to me maybe you want this life maybe maybe you want to develop yourself in the yoga world and maybe you want to run retreats like this maybe there's more to do with your work maybe you want to travel a bit more and I was like oh these are just kind of last minute nerves you know before I become a parent and actually being in the place that I was even I was battered down quite a bit even in the place that I was at, at the time I was thinking well I could do this with my child you know before she goes to school um, I can travel with her um, once she's settled into her relationship with me and so yeah, it just it felt like a wobble, but it didn't feel like a. It didn't feel like something that meant that I was gonna have to give this up, the adoption journey, and um, little did I know at the time that that voice inside of me was probably preparing me for the fact that that was gonna be the case. And so anyway, I had a lovely time on the retreat. A few niggling voices coming up, that kind of thing, but generally it was really worthwhile and nourishing and I got back and the, um, the social worker had switched again <laughs> so I was on my fourth social worker in about four or five months um, I was absolutely sick of them at the time but I thought I just need to get through this and then it'll be worth it and I'll go into a new I'll go into the um, post-adoption like the yeah the post-matching team um, which that whole structure, you know, like pre-approval team, matching team, post matching team, like it's just stupid. You should have the same person all the way through. Um but anyway, so I was assigned this guy and he was actually great and he um so I'd just I'd been holding off on ordering the nursery equipment, you know, like the the cot and um the you know the other furniture and the car seat and things like that. Um Incidentally, a year before when I'd made the decision to adopt, I I'd like to go into the adoption process. I'd already bought this massive car, um, this big estate car, because I was like, it'll be big enough for the baby and all the baby stuff and all my yoga stuff. Because obviously, I'll be teaching again once um, once I get back to it. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to open the studio at the time, but um, so yeah, so I had this this car that, and I I remember um, never knowing what Isofix was. Um And I bought it specifically with this ISOFIX and the big boot. Uh, the big boot being part of the whole process. So anyway, but that's the only thing that I'd bought because I didn't want to jinx any of the process. And uh, But, you know, I'd been assured that within a couple of weeks' time that we would be going for it. So kind of beginning of June 2017. So I ordered the, the stuff for the nursery anyway. And the stuff actually arrived that particular morning. Um, so I was really excited and I took it upstairs and kind of like positioned it in the room and things like that. And then I got a phone call from this new social worker. Um, the mayor, the, the guy, the the, the the man. And I could tell by the tone in his voice. Um, and he said, uh, how was things? Whatever. And I told him, I him, and he was like, well, don't get yourself too excited because I've got some bad news. Um, the, uh potential father that we've been trying to contact has decided that he would like to be considered as um a potential carer you know he wanted to primary carer i can't even think sorry i can't think of the right words but he anyway wants to be in this little girl's life and so we have to halt all of the um the process that we've put in place uh, or that we're prospectively put in place for you and for her to come to you and that could that's going to be for an unspecified amount of time it's likely it will be six months it could be longer and it will involve him meeting her and us going through uh, well eventually potentially meeting her and trying to form a relationship but we still need to do lots of checks on him and his family and try to establish whether or not she could remain in her potential birth family before being adopted, and so I was devastated. Obviously, um, there was this kind of strange sensation coming up in me, which was, well, I feel like I can get out of it now. Um, which was really strange to have that alongside all of what I'd invested, you know, in every single way. Um, But I think, you know, and then I was reminded of, well, actually, I've got these new friends and this kind of exciting life that's made itself, uh, I don't know, taken a place in my head and in my heart following this retreat, and maybe that's right for me. Um, And so anyway, the social worker was great, and I'd explained about how toxic the whole situation was with social services and what it had kind of done to me and... I said I just need a couple of weeks and so I asked to not be contacted about anything and I would I would take two weeks um, to consider all of this and I did and I ultimately made the decision to step away um, and it was so difficult because and the reason that I asked them to not contact me was because I wanted to make a decision whether or not she was um, potentially, you know, going to be um, placed with a potential birth father's family or whatever. Um, <clears throat> they were trying to contact him and to do a DNA test. And obviously if the DNA test had come back, um, that they were unrelated, then we would have just proceeded. So she still could have been coming to live with me, even maybe just a few weeks later. But I said, I don't want to know about that because something inside of me is saying I need to make this decision without knowing whether or not he's her father or not and that was really scary um but i i had to i had to make the decision from me from in me whether or not this was right for me and yeah so i um you know god i just did so much work on in my own head and my heart and with people around me and i decided not to go ahead with it um And so that was that. Um, Yeah. A lot of letting go. Huge amount of letting go. Um, And I think I'm just going to read the words that I posted. Excuse me, I've got my phone. here; It's making that noise. Um, But I did a post on Instagram. Of course I did. um, About this. At the time. And... So this was on the... I forgot the date there. Yeah... Uh, 28th of May, 17. Um, So I posted a picture of myself in my living room at the time in melting heart pose. My top off, I think, to have my top off. I probably did, yeah, because it was was a show off. (laughs) A nice, gentle yin practice today. I included mental heart pose. Uh, I included melting heart pose as it expands the chest and giving a soothing effect on the heart chakra, which is associated with feelings and emotions. This post can release our blocked emotions and we can feel free of the burdens of the heart. It releases those tensions and creates a sense of well-being in the mind. I needed this today as my heart is heavy following some difficult news I, reg- I received this week regarding the adoption process I'm going through. People have been so kind supporting me through this. It feels right to let you know that my plans to take time off From next month have been changed quite dramatically following developments in the case. I don't know what's going to happen now and I must trust, breathe and let go. A new direction will become clear in time. For now, I will continue to work on myself, continue my amazing work, enjoy new experiences and be grateful for all the gifts that I have in my life. And hilariously, the last sentence is loving my new OM denim yoga pants, by the way life is good <laughs> what the fuck am I so at that time I was quite keen to become an ambassador for this clothing brand <laughs> so like oh my god I even mentioned that in this post goodness me so you know there's there's equal compassion and embarrassment in that pose because it was just such a very difficult place to be in and from where I sit now and how much more connected I feel in so many different ways as we're, what are we, like, five and a half years after that. Um, yeah, just thinking back to that time is really hard. Uh, but, yeah, I think inside I was always there, but I was, I was shrouded by so many other things, uh, so many other things. And so that's going to be part two of this. (laughs) So yeah, I'd made the decision not to adopt. I'd gone back to, um, you know, my my counseling practice. That was fine. I'd kind of reinvigorated that and continued with the clients that I had. I went back to the yoga studio and uh, was working Lots there. My lovely new friends, Dav and Ambra, um, and then soon Fabio, who was Ambra's friend, my boyfriend, uh, he became later on. Uh, did lots of traveling around Europe, um, exploring yoga, more and more and more. Really fell in love with that side of my life. Um, started dating again. And yeah, I also agreed. So only, <laughs> only a month. After all of that, I'd gone for a walk with my friend, Kerry, who had told me that she'd signed up for this thing called the Lakesman. I don't know what the fuck it was. I didn't even know what a triathlon was at the time. And it sounded great. And uh, she told me that she'd signed up for the half event, which is, um, so a half triathlon is a 1.2 mile swim, uh, 56, is that right? 56 mile bike ride and a half marathon, so 13.1 miles. And uh, I went home that night and drank too many glasses of wine and signed up for the full event, and I didn't even know what the different components of that event were. And so, yes, my delving into yoga like never before, my um, commitment to do a full-distance Ironman, which is double what I just said to you there. So two and a half mile swim, 2.4 mile swim, 108 mile bike ride and running a marathon all in one day, all one thing after the other. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I continued these toxic relationships that I was in. I uh, reinvigorated my efforts there. And yeah, so began the unraveling. I'm going to talk to you about that next time um, thank you for listening to this um, thank you for holding space for me while I talk through this difficult time in my life it, it feels very um, I'm exhausted but I'm also feeling lighter uh, for reconnecting with this stuff and for taking the time today to, to, to work through this to be able to speak to you about it um, obviously, The Perfectionist is coming in at me now and I know that you might be, um, that some of what I've said today might be a bit inconsistent and I'm kind of darting around with times and dates and stuff um, and there's probably quite a few pauses while I've been emotional um, but hey, it's real, okay, and I'm, I'm very um, happy to be that way with you so um, thank you for, 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 for being such that I feel I can do that and not make this perfect. Um, I know that in the next episode, I'm going to be sharing some aspects of my counselling practice that I'm definitely not proud of. Um, And that feels scary to talk about things that I've done in my counselling practice that would definitely um, warrant a complaint if the person, people involved, weren't, um, weren't robust enough. Uh, so that feels hard to think about sharing, but I'm going to, and I'm committing to do that by mentioning it here. Um, But there is a happy ending. There is a happy ending, because only a year after this um, was when I met Amram, just after. Um, And I definitely earned bringing him into my life, uh, because if he was around during any of this time he would have had my ass kicked well and truly into line um and you know he has helped me love myself in a way that I definitely wasn't during this time and uh yeah for that I'm very grateful uh so yes I'm gonna finish now I'm gonna finish here um this has been really hard um but it has definitely been part of what makes me feel really strong today. Um, and, you know, the, um, the words that I use to try to um, help you and help myself as part of this podcast, they're the getting strong and um, staying open, kind and grateful. You know, I'm really practicing those things uh, as I share this with you. Um, this definitely led to me becoming so awakened to who I am um my heart was opened massively due to all of this and and due to the stuff that was coming um and I was strong you know in all of the ways um showed up for myself every day and um you know faced some really difficult things and was brave and stupid (laughs) um and I think I was always kind during it all. You know, I, I ended a few of these toxic relationships and I, I think I really did it with kindness. I'm going to explore that more next time. Um, and I am massively grateful for all of it because uh, just going over it today with you it makes me realise that I'm, yeah, I'm, I've been through a lot and I, I did it well. I did it in a way that I'm proud of, you know, some of it, not so much, but overall, definitely. Uh, and I'm going to go and enjoy the rest of my night knowing that I've earned the right to feel comfortable and, and be present you know I've, I've been saying to people recently that I feel present I don't, I'm not fussing myself with thinking too far into the future and planning there's just this drive to be present at the moment and they're like god how did you do that you know that sounds like the, the utopia if you like and well you know it kind of is at times (laughs) and I'll take that um if I ever doubt myself I'll remember some of these times and and other ones to to know that actually maybe maybe I am all right you know and I hope that this has been helpful for you in maybe bringing up some of the things that you have forgotten about that you've been through that you might not have really paid that much attention to um and that by doing so you might realise that you're pretty fucking amazing you know Um, these ordinary and extraordinary experiences that us normal people you know just normal human beings going through uh, sometimes speaking about it sometimes not but these things do make us incredibly strong and uh, and yeah I, I hope that you see yourself in what you might have seen in me um, or felt in me through this sharing and I actually am looking forward to speaking to you next time about all this other stuff that that followed um, over the, the year or so afterwards so I'm gonna go stay open get strong stay open kind and grateful thank you for listening and I will see you next time bye bye